0: You're listening to the Play Big Brand Bold Podcast, Episode 17. Welcome to the Play Big Brand Bold Podcast, inspiring you to play a bigger game, brand bolder and stand out from the crowd. Each week, we'll be talking to startup and creative professionals about all things business to help you build your big idea, brand and bottom line. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Play Big Brown Bowl podcast. I'm Suzanne Chadwick, your host, and I'm excited to be back this week speaking with the very awesome Kate Toon. Now, if you don't know Kate, Kate is an award winning SEO, copywriter and consultant with almost two decades of experience in all things advertising, digital and writing. She's originally from the UK, but is now based in Sydney. Kate has worked with big brands such as eHarmony and Kmart, and she's helped countless small businesses produce great content and improve their copywriting and SEO. Now, you may have heard of some of her groups and websites, but Kate is also the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe for SEO Success e-course and she's also the co-host of the hot copy podcast. So make sure you check that out and we'll have all of the links below. She's, she's also the author of the popular business book, Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which she also has a podcast to as well. And today Kate and I get into some of the top tips when it comes to SEO. So I really hope that you're going to enjoy this episode, you're going to get a lot out of it. I know that SEO is something that all businesses need to know about. So we're going to be talking about how she started her business, some common misconceptions when it comes to SEO. We're going to talk about how long it takes to get ranked highly and get on page one. I'm going to burst your bubble there a little bit. The answer may not be what you think. We're also going to talk about her top tips when it comes to SEO for business owners as well. And we also talk about what it's like to be an authentic entrepreneur and kind of just, you know, walk your own path, which obviously we love doing. So without further ado, I'm very excited to introduce Kate Toon on this week's podcast. Enjoy. Kate Toon, welcome to the Play Big Brown Ball podcast. Hello, lovely to be here. I know, it's so good to have you on. We've kind of had this uh, on the cards for a couple of months. We've been talking about it Um, and you're such a podcast queen. I know that you've got a few or you've had a few that I did want to get you on. Now tell me a little bit about your podcasts.
1: Uh, Yes, at the last count I have three. I may have others that I'm not aware of now. I have a copywriting podcast for copywriters that I've been running for about two years with my co-host Belinda Weaver, and then a year and a half ago or so I started an SEO podcast called The Recipe for SEO Success, which helps people understand the weird and wonderful ways of ranking and Google and all that kind of thing. And then I started another podcast for my book, Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, Which kind of I've let slide a little bit, but I haven't killed it. It's still there. I may revive it at some point. And how are you going with three podcasts?
0: Like I find one is enough. Are you releasing every week or? Oh gosh, no,
1: no. Well, Belinda's a stickler. So I would love to have missed a few episodes, but Belinda has never let us miss an episode in two years. And we do that one every two weeks, but obviously it's split effort. So she does one episode, I do the next The recipe for SEO one I do every three weeks because that's the frequency I can manage and the confessions of a misfit entrepreneur I do whenever I have the urge or the time or the inclination. So I don't put too much pressure on myself because I honestly, apart from a couple of podcasts that I love, like This American Life and Reply All, other podcasts, it's not like I'm sitting there chomping at the bit, waiting for the podcast to come out. I don't know if you're the same. Like I struggle. Yeah, you
0: know, when I, um, and I did this, I've got an episode called uh, podcasting for the lazy girl.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and,
0: um, and when I decided to start my podcast, I was actually in a group and I was asking questions about how often people post and all that sort of thing. Uh, and some people had said that they had done it every week and felt really burnt out and didn't really grow their audience. And others said that they did it fortnightly, which worked for them, and you know that's yeah how they decided to do it. So before I started, I thought you know something, I'm just going to see how I go. I didn't want to put a lot of pressure on myself, uh, and fortnightly has been working. And then I'm doing bonus episodes when I want to throw one in, like in between that fortnight as well, which I've kind of been doing a little bit more of. Uh, now that I feel like I've kind of got my podcasting sea legs sorted
1: yeah it has to work for you and your business if it I think it's like a nice carrot on a stick but often we take that stick and start beating ourselves with it and it becomes a chore we stop enjoying it so my big thing in business is if I'm not enjoying it maybe I should question why I'm doing it
0: yeah I love that I'm the same as well I just think otherwise it just becomes something that you don't want to do you can tell when somebody's not loving something Um, which I think means that your audience probably isn't going to be enjoying it as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. So today we are talking
0: all things SEO because you are the queen of SEO, I think. And for anybody that doesn't know you, how did you get into this? How did you start the recipe for
1: SEO? Tell me a little Uh, bit. Well, I'd always, I've worked in ad agencies for you know, all my kind of grown-up career. And one agency I worked in, it was about 10 years ago, they were starting to do SEO, starting to think about Google. Because remember, you know, 10 years ago, it wasn't so much of a thing. Um, and then, um, probably more than that, probably 15 years ago. About 10 years ago, I had my son, and I couldn't work in agency lands anymore, so I set up my own business. And again, I wasn't very restrictive about what I was going to do. It was just katoon.com, and that meant I could do a bit of this and a bit of this. And really for the first five years, I mainly did copywriting, but I specialized in writing that would help you rank as well. But then I realized that really copywriting is just part of that puzzle. It's really not all of it. There's so much more to it. So I started doing workshops and audits for people and working with big brands like Curash and Pedigree Chum and then I found, as we talked about burnout, when I'm running SEO workshops and they're eight hours long, by the end of it, people were just walking out like, Ugh. "Wow!" Um, and you know, a week later, they couldn't really put into practice what they'd learned because it was just overwhelming. So that's when I created the course, which was about two years ago. And I really—it was a conscious decision. It's one of the few conscious decisions I've made in my business because I'm very like, whatever I want to do. I thought I'm going to pivot. I think it's called pivoting isn't it yes I'm gonna pivot and become well known for SEO I made a conscious decision and I did various things to make that happen and it's kind of worked but at heart I'm still a copywriter and I still have a whole other business dedicated to copywriting so it's a bit weird sometimes I'm like I don't want to be known as the queen of SEO I want to be known as the princess of copy but you know you can work with what you work with you know
0: yeah, absolutely. And obviously, yeah, you have come from a copywriting background and you've just completed CopyCon, which is your annual, is it what would you call it? Copywriters
1: conference? Yeah, it's a conference for copywriters, marketers, content people, bloggers, agency folk, anybody who likes words and writing and wants to, you know, network and improve their skills and find out what's going on in the industry. So yeah, second year next year coming up already, already in the planning stages. So I know, very exciting. And so this is obviously, we're recording this in
0: May 2018. The next one's going to be in Melbourne in 2019. What month is
1: that going to be? It's going to be on May the 4th, May the 4th be with you, partially just so I can dress up as Princess Leia. Um, But yes, uh, pretty exciting. And Obviously, I never planned to be an event planner, but now I am. And it gets easier every year. And, yeah, I already have the venue pretty much locked in. I've got some great speakers, which I won't announce yet, but I'll be announcing them soon. Uh, yeah, so it's exciting. Gosh knows why I'm doing it. It feels like I'm organising my wedding every yes. year. But, um, I do enjoy it, but it's a lot of work.
0: Yeah, I agree. But I do think that when you do find sort of an industry Uh, or a skills-based conference that is for you, I think that you'll have a really loyal following as well because I don't think there's a lot of them around or there aren't really any around specifically maybe for copywriters. So I think it's such a great one.
1: Yeah, I think that's it. There's a lot of generalist digital marketing bloggers ones, but there wasn't one for copywriting. And some people might think it's too niche, like should I have gone for freelancers? But I found that the niche worked. But obviously I'm not dumb I did spend a year and a half building up a membership community of copywriters who I was pretty confident would want to come and they are the heart and soul of it. I do it for them. We do get non-community members coming, but it's really for those guys and you know, when they stop wanting it, I'll stop doing it.
0: Yeah. and I mean, I'm a brand consultant. I work a lot with clients on things like their career sites and their brand messaging and stuff. And I bought the virtual ticket because I wasn't up in Oh did. Yeah. You you. Um, so we'll have a link for that below. And I really enjoyed it. I found it really beneficial and I think just understanding a lot of the different topics uh, on whether it's social media or AI was a really interesting one as well. Uh, I, I think that it's really worth anybody learning more about it as well, because I think especially as solopreneurs, a lot of the time we're writing our own copy if we're not outsourcing it. So I think it's just a good lesson or skill to develop.
1: Yeah, totally. And we had another speaker, Robert Garish, who talked about, you know, being the bouncer for your own business and setting boundaries and all of that's relevant to everybody. So it's kind of, it's, it, the conference is a bit of skill, but it's also a lot about just how to run a business because that's, yeah. you know, not all of us know what we're doing, you know, and understand how to market and brand and do our accounts, and it's hard. We have to yeah. wear so many different hats. It's exhausting.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So today we did want to kind of dive a
0: bit more into SEO because it, it's such an exciting topic. Uh, yes, <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, by the end of this, you will think it is, I guarantee. am. Um, I am excited. I feel like I know some of the basics. I feel like I don't do a lot of the things that I probably should be doing. So today I would love to make it really accessible to people just to understand What are the key things that they need to be doing? So I guess I'd love to start out with what are some of the common misconceptions when it comes to SEO, do you think?
1: I think, firstly, people don't really understand what it is. Uh, So the definition is important. And just saying, oh, it's search engine optimization, well, that's not particularly helpful. Essentially, it's doing stuff to make the big search engines like Google fall in love with your website. That's what you're trying to do, make it super attractive to Google. And Google's like a really demanding uh, Tinder partner that has a big, long checklist of things that it's looking for in your website. And most of the things it tells us, most of the things you probably already know, but as you said, you either don't do them or you think you've done them but you haven't done them quite right. Yeah. I think The biggest misconception is it's kind of like it's a checkbox to be ticked. I've done my SEO. My website is SEO friendly. And the truth is, as I always say, that SEO is for life, not just for Christmas. It's everything you do. It's your branding, you know, getting your brand out there so that people start searching for who you are rather than what you do. So I start searching for Suze Chadwick rather than branding consultant because I know who you are. That's going to help your SEO. Much easier to rank for your own brand name than for anything else. It's the emails you send, the social media you do, the blog posts you write, the networking events you go to. All of that is part of SEO. And I think that's the biggest misconception that it's kind of like you can put it in a little box and forget about it. You can't uncreate.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so how long does it take for a business to rank highly? Because obviously we do see these, uh, I guess, messages out of us like, we'll help you
1: rank number one in the next week yes we all get those emails from Sanjit saying greetings of the day I probably get about a hundred of those a week even though I already rank number one for maybe two three hundred phrases look it's it's a bit of a how long is a piece of string question it depends on what keywords you're going after so if you want to rank for Suzanne Chadwick probably going to be relatively easy unless there is some famous movie star or rock star that has a similar name. Probably going to be relatively easy to rank for your own name or your own brand name. And then, you know, it gets progressively harder. So the way that it works is that we have these things called keywords. And people get confused about this as well. These are just the words that people type into Google or speak into Google to find your site. So if you're trying to rank for cheese, you're going to struggle because there's, Thousands of sites ranking for cheese, highly competitive, and also what the hell do those people want? Do they want to look at pictures of cheese? Do they want to buy cheese? So then we move down a little bit into what are called body keywords, which is where you go, well, cheese is too hard, so I'm gonna go after organic goat's milk cheese, okay? That's gonna be a bit easier. There's less people, fewer people, and maybe not so many visitors, but hey, how many visitors do I need to sell my goat's milk cheese? Those are called body keywords. And then after that, we get to long-tail keywords. And that all that means is that they've got four or more phrases in them, and we all do this, you know, like we've searched once, haven't got what we want, so we just keep on adding more words until we qualify what we want. And often we ask questions, like how do I, where can I, what do I? Those are long-tail keywords. So if you go after those, yes, the traffic is very small, yeah, but the competition is very small. Yeah. And the- Great thing about those is that the intent is to convert. So if I type buy organic goat's milk cheese online Australia, it's a long tail keyword. Not many people are going to rank for it. And I've said exactly what I want. So if you can deliver on that promise, you're going to sell. So that's kind of how the whole thing works. How long does it take? It depends how much effort you put in and how much effort your competitors put in
0: and so with that say i put in want to buy or buying organic
1: goats cheese milk <laughs> or <laughs> cheese milk Goal, cheese
0: whatever yeah cheese, yeah uh, will google find me if i've got something
1: similar well if you google's pretty good these days at working out context and working out synonyms you know words that are the same as so you know, it works really well with things like adjectives. So, for example, I think I rank uh, number one for best copywriter in Australia. Uh, that's simply because I've used the words best copywriter in Australia, not because Love I have. You own it's awesome. it, baby. <laughs> it, baby. But if you type in good copywriter, great copywriter, Google's going to say, well, look, would a user be satisfied? A user that typed in good copywriter be satisfied with the result for best copywriter. Yeah, I think they probably would. So it's all about user intent. And Google's pretty good. Like, you know, you can type in the most random collection of words, like that movie with the woman with the red hair where she drives the car with the other woman and they go off a cliff and it will come back with Selma and Louise. How mm-hmm. does it? It's magic, but it's not. It's just Google making associations with words and also looking at previous searches and going, well, people who type this in, Generally, we're pretty happy with the Selma and Louise result. So we're going to make that connection and go, that's the right result for that bundle of words. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome. And so obviously we want this to be really actionable.
0: And I know that um, a lot of people understand what SEO generally is, but if they're really wanting to up their SEO game, what would you say are sort of five top tips? And we'll absolutely have the link to your course as well, because I just think that, that's really going to help somebody who wants to dive in deep. But um, just for our listeners today, what are the five top tips for really getting your SEO sorted?
1: Well, I think the first one is a mindset one. And I know this is going to sound a bit woo-woo, but you have to get over yourself and decide that, you know, lots of people are like, I can't do SEO. I just can't do it. It's too technical. Get over that because anyone can. My mom can. I've had people come on my free course who didn't even know, like, really what a browser was or how to use, you know, and they have got it. So you yeah. need to get over that hump. and that, That's my number one tip because I think fear puts a lot of people off. Um, And also confusion and thinking that it changes all the time and they're never going to be able to keep up. To be honest, the core essential bits of SEO have not changed. Yeah, yeah? things do change a little bit, but the core hasn't. So number one is get over your fear. Number two would be uh, to get yourself signed up to Google Search Console. Now, most people have heard of Google Analytics Google Search Console is Google Analytics' ugly little brother. It's Google's tool that tells you everything that's wrong with your site. You put your site in and it tells you what to fix. Now, at first, some of the things it tells you how to fix, you'll be, I don't know what that means. What do I do? But you can join my group and see my posts and I will tell you what to do. But it's Google saying to you, Suzanne, these are the things you need to do to improve your ranking. So just do them. And Google's gonna reward you. It's pretty sp- easy. Nice yeah, it's straightforward. Um, the next thing I think that's really important to do is to really think about what your customers are typing into Google and not to become obsessed with particular keywords. I often see people in Facebook groups saying, yeah, I've done my SEO, I'm ranking number one for this keyword. One keyword. We wanna be ranking for hundreds and hundreds of phrases. The example I always use is my husband has a French tutoring business. He's obsessed with ranking for French lessons Sydney. If he's not ranking number one for that, he feels like a failure. But when we look behind the scenes at what he's ranking for, he's ranking for hundreds of other phrases like kids' French lessons, kids' tutor, tutor for French, French classes, suburb. And those are actually bringing in the traffic and the conversions, not that French lesson Sydney. So choosing keywords, thinking about what your audience could be typing in, ask your audience hey, what would you type into Google to find someone like me? The things that they come up with will be brilliant and they will give you more ideas for blog posts and pages in your site. So that's number three, keywords. We've had fear, Google Search Console, keywords. The next thing I think, and this is a little bit of a tough one, is to really make sure that your site is technically sound. So in the workshops I run, I talk about three aspects of technically sound websites, which is speed, How fast does your site load? Crawlability, can Google get through all your site and visit every page? And responsiveness, how good does your site look on a mobile? Is it easy to use? So there are lots of tools out there that will help you with this. Google has their own tools and I'll share some links that you can add to the bottom of the uh, podcast notes. But for example, we'll just take one, get your speed sorted. Your site needs to load in five seconds or less, ideally three seconds or less if it doesn't that will have a big impact you can blog for a year never rank because your site's just too goddamn slow so getting your speed sorted would be my number four what's my number five so well not- just on that with slow sites okay so i think um and i got this from
0: your facebook group as well which we'll have the link to was Smush. Smush is because a great one. I, got, I did have a lot of really big images on my site, which I didn't realize. Uh, and so I got smoosh, which obviously reduced the size of the images. I still think I've got a lot of work to do there, uh, just because I love everything visual. I know, but, yeah.
1: Let me make that number five then. Let me dig into that one because that's a really good one. Yeah. And it's often the biggest problem. So when you do find out your site speed, and the tool that I'll give you is called Pingdom Site Speed. Yes. So a little tool. One of the things you'll see is you have big, fat, chubby images. And images get chubby in two different ways. Either they've got too much K size, so they're physically heavy in size, uh, and that's usually happens if they're a complex image, like a photograph with lots of detail in, um, and you'll find that logos have low K size because they're simplistic and just flat colors. The other thing is dimensions, so the physical size of the image. You know, you've got this little thumbnail on your site, 150 pixels by 150 pixels, but you've actually loaded a 3,000 by 3,000 image and the code is making it smaller. All of that needs to load. So when you're thinking about images, you need to make sure that they are the right size before you upload them. And you might say, well, how do I know that? There's a great little tool called Chrome Pixel Ruler that you can put on your screen and measure the existing graphics. And go, okay, this needs to be 500 by 300. Perfect. So you upload them at the right dimensions, and then you smush them. And you can either smush them off-site using something like Tiny PNG, which is a great tool. You just upload your image, it spits out the other size. It's half the size, but it doesn't look any different. Huh. Or if you've got a WordPress site, you can get a page plugin called WP Smush, which will work its way through every image you have, reducing the file size. But I would say that WP Smush is kind of like, it's the uh, it's treating the symptom, not the cause. I'm not sure that's the right way of putting it. It's better to make sure the image is right before you put it up and fix it retrospectively. So you must remind me to say the pixel ruler, tiny PNG, WP Smush. And that will really help your um, image size and speed. So that's my tip number five. Thank you, Suzanne. No, nice. that's <laughs> <laughs> No, that's great. And I do, yeah,
0: we definitely recommend anybody join your group as well because I, uh, it's so interesting. I love all the tools and the little tips that you share too you. Um, with your group. And uh, I just think that, there are so many things to keep up with mm. i feel like things change all the time so it's just good to kind of be in the know
1: well i think the thing is yeah as i said think some big things do change and that's why it's good to have a source of truth you can go to and go i've heard this in a facebook group is it true in someone that you trust to say no it's not because there's a lot of nonsense spread about seo but also i really think that Tiny little things with SEO. I mean, like with everything. God, my Instagram is appalling. I need to update my website. Oh, my footer has been wrong on my emails. for We just have to do what we can do. Tiny little things. Squishing a big image on your homepage could have a big impact and it's a big win. You feel good. Then you don't manage to do anything else for your SEO for two weeks. That's just reality. We're all in the same position. Oh, wish we could afford to pay a $2,000 a month consultant to do it all for us. But we can't. No. So we do what we can. Absolutely. Very good. Now,
0: the other thing I did want to talk to you about was your book. Oh, my The of a Misfit Entrepreneur. What made you write it? What's it about? Because I know it's something I've heard so many people say it's so funny and it's definitely worth a read. So I wanted to find out a bit more about it.
1: Yeah, so I I think to be honest, I wrote it because I wanted to write a book. I mean, at heart, I am a writer. I've written a kids book and a poetry book before that. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, What's the kids book called, it's called Wobbly Jim. Look, I've got a copy of it here. Let me find it and show you. It's beautiful. Yeah, here we go, Wobbly Jim. It's a oh, that's so, cute. <laughs> so cute. So I wrote that first, and then I wanted to write a business book. But to be honest, I didn't want to write yet another how to write copy or SEO tips because I already have courses and stuff that tell that. And it just, it it wasn't something I could really get excited about, which sounds bad because that's my career. So instead, I like to write a lot of blog posts and Facebook posts that are kind of slightly odd and quirky and like this weird thing happened. Like yesterday, someone sent me a potato with a message on it, you know? I saw that. Motivational potato. This is my life. These weird things happen every day. Um, I had a guy emailed me the other day asking for advice on what to do because he liked to walk around his house naked but his sister didn't like it because six years ago I wrote a fake post about working in the nude. You know, this is my life. So I wanted to share those funny stories and my journey towards becoming a successful entrepreneur and I am doing air figures for those who are listening because everybody's version of success is different Yes, and mine didn't follow the path that it should. I didn't do a business plan. I don't have investors. I, you know... I don't have a trendy office. I don't have heaps of people working I don't know it's pretty cool It's pretty cool now, but this is this is something I built myself uh, but what I mean is, and also I still am hugely flawed and I make mistakes and I say yes to things I shouldn't and no to things I shouldn't and you know it's
0: fine
1: don't we all it's all fine and it's, you know I think you're a perfect example of being you are a misfit entrepreneur, whether you like it or not uh. You know, it's your definition of a misfit entrepreneur. I think it's someone who doesn't mind showing the highs and the woes. And yes, I said woes, not lows. Someone who's honest and open, who doesn't just project this image of perfection. You know, we see these people on Instagram and every photo is like, ah, look at me, I'm so, you know, going like this and like this. I'm doing hand movements. Look, here's my new cause, ha! Teeth and beautiful husbands and beautiful breakfasts. And... That is all fine, and we can project that, but honestly, the people I find who project the bad side as well the imposter syndrome, the comparisonitis, the days where you can't be bothered, the dealing with the kids, the husband that doesn't understand whatever it is those are the misfits. The people who go, Yeah, I know I'm supposed to do all these things, but I'm just not gonna do it, and it's still gonna be okay, you know. And I guess also. It's about how you define your own success. For me, my definition of success is not to be a seven-figure entrepreneur. I mean, I'm not going to refuse it if it comes along, but my definition is to be able to pick my son up from school, not work at weekends, talk to people like you, meet people like you at events, have a laugh, which we do whenever we see each other, and and enjoy it. Because otherwise, we may as well be working for the man. That's my thing. So do you think you are a misfit entrepreneur? Yes. Yes! Yeah, absolutely. I just sort of think uh, it's just about writing your
0: own rules as well and just kind of going with the flow, going with, you know, it's like you were saying earlier, if it's not fun, you don't do it. Uh, And I also am a bit of an anti, you know, six-figure, seven-figure. Like obviously that's all what we want, but to sort of talk about it constantly or to sell that um, and the perfection of what a business is supposed to be, I think, yeah, is... A bit boring. I feel like a couple of years ago, that was all the rage. I feel like now authenticity, whether you like that word or not, of showing what's and all as well as the good with the bad is more palatable now.
1: I think it is. But I think even with authenticity, there are grades of authenticity. You know, it, it, you can tell that some people are trying to be authentic rather than being authentic it's hard isn't it but the thing is as well I think people see through it so much these days um and it makes and we're all trying to build trust we're all trying to help people I mean that's really one of the things I'm doing this for is I enjoy helping people and yes I want to get paid for helping them uh, but a lot of the things I do I do for free as well and I think people see through it and they're not going to trust you so I think you're right I think the tide has turned there's still lots of people banging that seven-figure drum Um, But they're not my audience. And I think this is one more facet of a misfit entrepreneur. Really understanding that some people aren't going to like you and that that's okay. You're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, And that you shouldn't become vanilla and voiceless just to try and make more people like you. Like express yourself. I mean, obviously stay clear of religion and politics. But other than that, be yourself. Be your flawed self. And you're going to attract some people who just adore you. And they will make up for the haters. You know, I think. I hope. Yeah, absolutely. And I sort of think about that, like, even with
0: our events and that, like when we've got women that come to our breakfast, I just think, yes, I would go for a glass of wine with you. Yes. Like, yes, I want to hang for coffee. Like, I think it's, I think really not going after everybody brings more joy because at least you don't have to pretend like you. <laughs> are
1: Exactly. I've found that so much more in the last couple of years. Pretty much everyone I've come into contact with has kind of been my people. Yes. Uh, you know, they're coming to my events and paying to be there. So I've obviously done something right to attract my people and I'm attracting fewer and fewer non-my people. That's yeah, which is but so, much, to be a copywriter, so but much more fun. It does make it more fun. And I mean, I think with the fun thing, the only thing I would say is it's not fun all the time. Like And again, you know, I have a lot of copywriters in my community who go through tough times where they don't have work or whatever or where the clients are being difficult. And I think, that you know, the true entrepreneur the true misfit entrepreneur well keeps going and it's that boundless enthusiasm and motivation even when you really don't want to be there you are at your desk doing the things that that is the difference between success and, and failure in financial terms you know like sticking it out not getting waylaid and just turning up I think it's a huge thing turning up it's hard. Like at the start of this podcast, Suzanne was like, Kate, you look like you've been dragged through a bush, which I do, which is fine. It's always a good way to start. And the truth is because I'm fra- a little bit frazzled today. I didn't, so my son woke up at three, got a lot to do, and I didn't have time to put on makeup. But you know what? Even though I'm not perfectly calm, I turned up and leave have had a you know? So that don't- look fabulous. Oh, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Uh, well I have to do you know but that's our reality and that's you know we're not all we're not all Marie Folio with a with a wind machine and a a makeup artist wonderful let's get (laughs) one and I was literally saying
0: obviously if you're listening to the audio of this you're not seeing it but this is also going to be on YouTube is that i ordered myself a background because my office is so messy behind
1: that that I just thought that was the easiest thing to do yeah, I love it. I love it when I do videos with people and you can see a pile of washing. Because <laughs> it's like, and then afterwards they're like, oh my god, can you cut that out? And I'm like, no, dude, that's, that's the best bit, you know. So it's always good to look at what's going on in the background and see what's happening. You can maybe spot some fun things in my background, but there you go. Yeah, and we're
0: attracted <laughs> to people who are like us, where it's not all perfect and they do show a bit of the disheveledness of life, which I think is great.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Absolutely. So, Kate, what's next for you? What's happening? What should people know about you? Or where can they find you? And we'll have the links below as
1: well. Well... Thankfully, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of good at SEO. So if you type Kate Toon, hopefully something Kate Toon related will come up. There's only one other Kate Toon I've found so far, and she's a dentist in Ipswich in England. So, yes, yeah, so I've got an opera singer in Canada who is. Oh, wow. About. See, that's yeah. cool. It's better than my dentist. If you're listening Kate Toon with an E, I apologize. And what's next for me, to be honest? I'm not going to be doing anything new. Um, I'm will be running the conference again. I run my big SEO course again in June my membership. I've got memberships for copywriters and SEO people keeping those going and keeping those people fed with content and ideas is, is a lot of work. And um, I am working on a new book with somebody else So I'm co-authoring a book which is exciting yes. so, But I'm not going to put it out there when I'm going to launch it because I don't want the pressure What's it about? Can you say what it's it is about? actually about copywriting this time? <laughs> so I've just broken uh, my, my cardinal rule, but I do also have another book that I'd like to write which is more around the etiquette of being online and um, so just more of the same really and also trying to maybe work a bit less live a bit more learn to paddleboard you know that amazing kind sounds good I've been wanting to paddleboard for ages I just have never gotten around to it. I can't stand up on it no matter what I do so I can cling to it but I can't stand up so that's one of my big goals this next year when the summer comes around I will stand up on a paddleboard we will have to get those um rubber sock thingies I need but I also I have no core I think you've got to have a core and I can't you know I can barely keep myself up right now because uh, I do no exercise so um, I know I'm the same yeah so um. yeah just keeping on keeping on and hopefully enjoying you know my business and the people that I meet and yeah more of the same awesome well it It's always a pleasure to talk to you.
0: And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. But before we go, one question. What does playing
1: big mean to you? Playing big means keeping it small for me. Uh, Don't need to have all the things. Don't need to have a thousand followers. I'd rather have a hundred people that love me than a thousand people who are indifferent. So love it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So good. Well, you can find all of Kate's details in the show notes. Thanks again. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love chatting to Kate. She's so fun and knowledgeable, and obviously, I think that there were some great tips there for small businesses. If you're looking for more help with your SEO, then Kate's got her free nibbles as well, which I've got the link to in the show notes. So make sure you head over there and check it out. Now, the other thing I want to mention is very exciting. Play Big Brand Bold. The online course is launching again with its next live round on the sixth of August, which is about eight weeks away from when this podcast goes live. So if you're looking to really up your confidence when it comes to your branding, your messaging, your customer service and creating a brand that you love and one that you want to shout from the rooftops about, then this course is for you. And in this round, you're going to get weekly live coaching calls so you can ask the questions that you need answered, work with other amazing women in business And obviously, put out your business to the world in a way that you love. So if you want to find out more about that, then you can head to playbigbrandbold.com and check out all the details now. Also, if you're not following us on socials, then you can head over to Instagram and follow us at The Connection Exchange underscore or on Facebook at Suzanne Chadwick TCX. But I hope you enjoyed this episode and until next time, have an awesome week.